Welcome to Crossroad Church's Sermon of the Week podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Bob Ellis. Welcome to Crossroads Church, Summer Edition. It's taken me almost six weeks to come up with that line, um, but that's what it is. We're uh, doing a little different over the summer, and um, good to be back with you this evening. I know uh, if you're watching on Sunday evening and at 6 o'clock, um, but uh, today, today's message, I'm going to be in John chapter 11, so give you a chance to, to get there. And if you want to to follow us, we also put um, the messages up on podcast, and we uh, we publish those through Apple Podcast, I believe. And you can follow those links on the website at crossroadstx.church. And um, and just that's just another way if you're if you're not able to watch but you would like to listen to the messages, and and uh, we we post those uh, from time to time. I'm not sure how far back we have those. Um, uh, but we are updating constantly, and so there are different messages over the course of the year. If you'd like to um, to to listen to those on your way to work, stuck in the that long commute, uh, but those are that's another way to connect. And then, of course, through the YouTube and and then the Facebook links as well. Um, over the summer, I've been tackling. Uh, sermons and messages that related to light and what does the Bible talk about light and and, and how God has called us to be um, representatives of the light and and I know over the years the lines are blurred between light and darkness and and their shows even movies now uh, I've I've noticed that if you if you watch a movie and there's this hero it used to be that the hero was the character of light the hero would 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 personify would would build towards someone who who we would look up to, who we would say, this is a representative, this is a torchbearer uh, in the middle uh, of, of darkness and, and, and evil. And, and over the years, movie directors have, they're, they're tainting the waters, so to speak, as, and blurring the lines and, and trying, and then there, there are no true heroes anymore. And maybe that's probably, probably true. But the Bible does call us to be representatives of the light. Now, that doesn't mean... We've always got it right, and we'll always do it right. Um, but he's called us to this. And so we've been looking at this and, and tackling this, this issue of, of what it means to represent light. I want to read you a passage out of, out of John chapter 11, and I won't get to all of it. It's a pretty powerful story about how Jesus raises a man back from the dead. His name was Lazarus. And so I'm going to pick up the story at verse 1, and I won't get to the whole story, and I've already given you the, uh, the conclusion. I've already told you what he does, but I want you to see how the story is set up. The Bible says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. And so the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Now, when he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it was for the Lord's glory. It was for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, Lazarus, her sister and Lazarus. And so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he, and he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. 
But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble, for they see by this world's light. It is when a person walks at night that they stumble, for they have no light. And so the backdrop of the story is there's a family that's very important to Jesus. There, there's a family that, that, that has traveled with him, that has supported him over these three and a half years or would be three and a half years where he walked in ministry, where he would go from village to village. And, and this family cared for Jesus deeply. And it's obvious here that Jesus cared for them deeply as well. And word got to Jesus, word was meant someone had to go from one town to another to let Jesus know that Lazarus was sick. But a sickness that, oh, you know, that not that 24-hour bug, but we need you here. Which is also significant because the reason they're calling on Jesus is because up until that time, anytime he prayed for someone who was sick, they were healed. And... And so it was just logical for them to reach out to the one who was the healer, who they had seen at work healing. Jesus, on the other hand, he takes time in going. In fact, he waits a couple of days before he even goes. He starts going there. And the, the scripture says he even tells the disciples that this sickness will not end in death. Now, what's interesting is the way he phrases it, it will not end in death. It doesn't mean that this sickness won't lead to death. He just says death will not be the ending story here. The disciples uh, would often hear Jesus speak in parables. And so sometimes they, they didn't always understand exactly what he was saying. But he went on record saying this, this would not end in death. Um, which is setting up the, one of the greatest miracles Jesus would do. Uh, up until that time, he had changed water to wine. He had healed the paralytic. He had, he had healed the blind, the, the lame, the deaf. He, he, had, he had forgiven sins. Jesus had, had, had done some amazing things, but this was going to be the one that would, would be an eye-opener. This would be the one that would, would lead to eventually lead to other people understanding just how powerful he really was. And for you and I who live today, 2,000 years later, would come to understand how truly powerful he still is. The scripture says that he doesn't go and he says it will not end in death because this is an opportunity for the son to be glorified. Until that time, he had done some amazing things, but there's going to be an opportunity now for God to truly get glory through his purpose and what Jesus was doing through Jesus himself. And so when Jesus gets there or when Jesus starts heading that way, the disciples remind him. They say, Jesus, why are you, do you understand that when you go, there are people back there that wanted you dead before? In fact, they tried to stone you, and that's, a, that's another pretty awesome uh, a miracle where how Jesus kind of just went through the crowd and escaped the stoning. The disciples are reminding him, do you, do you remember that you almost were killed? Do you know what you're doing? And, and Jesus' response is really interesting. In, in fact, it's, it's, it's pretty typical Jesus, um, if you could ever call anything Jesus did typical. Um, 
but he responded by saying, he responded to the threats by saying, are there not 12 hours of light? Are there not 12 hours of daylight? He said, anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they see by the world's light. Jesus meets a threat and faces a threat by by really just explaining a truth, the truth about light. He says, there's 12 hours of daylight. Well, yes, there are 12 hours of daylight. What is daylight? What does light have to do the fact that you've been threatened? And, 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 and so this is where I thought the, the passage really got interesting. No, I get it. It gets interesting when he heals Lazarus. That's that's really interesting. But Jesus' response to being threatened is often, I think, overlooked. And I think what we need to understand is we are going to be threatened by, by, by attacks, by darkness. And Jesus, Jesus says, yes, darkness has its time. But when you and I are in the light, we're not going to stumble. In other words, there's, there's, light doesn't have to fear the darkness. You and I have been threatened by darkness. And, and, and he's trying to teach the disciples something here. We will be threatened by darkness. The, the things of the dark will threaten us. I remember as a kid, m- my mom pointed out, I guess it was the way I was turning off the lights or how I had my routine of going to bed. And, and she, said, she said, Bob, are you scared of the dark? And I said, no, mom, I'm not scared of the dark. I'm scared of what's in the dark. See, the disciples were pointing out the fact that, that there was a threat against Jesus. And Jesus was pointing out the fact that light was still among them. Light was moving. He is the light of the world. And they didn't have anything to fear. The scripture says in Psalm, the psalmist wrote it this way in Psalm 118 verse 6. He said, the Lord is for me, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? And maybe you, have a, maybe you grew up in a different version where it says, if the Lord is for me, who can be against me? If God is for me, if light is for me, then darkness will not win. What can mere people do to me? Well, people can hurt. People can say things. They can, they can humiliate us. And, and truthfully, people can kill us. And so when you look at that verse in the Psalms and then you tie it into what's happening in, in John chapter 11, it's a, it's a reminder over and over again that no one can do anything to us if they were not given permission. And if they are given permission, because bad things do happen to good people and, 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 and extremely bad things happen to Christians. Look at Jesus. The worst of things happened to him. And God allowed it. And God will continue to allow certain things, sometimes for reasons outside of our understanding. But he will use us in the process to be representatives of the light. But what he wants us to know is that you and I have been attacked by darkness and we will continue to be attacked by darkness. But we are not to fear darkness because we walk in the light. We are children of the light. That's easier said than done. It's probably easier for me to say that on, on, this, on this message from the nice comfort and the safe space behind my desk today. But we, we need to understand that, um, as Isaiah the prophet said it this way, 
No weapon that is formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that accuses you in judgment, you will condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their vindication is from me, declares the Lord. God says no weapon formed against you will prosper. Now, you say, well, there are Christians who've died. There are Christians who've been hurt by sickness or, or, or even tragedy, whether that's accidents or, or, or there are even cases where Christians have been killed for their faith or what appears to be being in the wrong place at the wrong time. So how do we understand that? Well, I just kind of take God's word at face value. No weapon formed against us will prosper. Jesus says, this sickness will not end in death. Let me go on record as just saying what I understand of Scripture is that even our death will not end in death. Because he's promised that those who have been born again and baptized, gone down in and come back up into new life through that through the baptismal process. Like so, as you go down, it's symbolic of how having you've gone down into the grave and come back up. The Bible says we will be resurrected on the last day. The dead in Christ will go up first, and then those who are still here when He comes back for the church will go up to meet Him as well. So even our deaths will not end in death. And so, so Isaiah's word is no weapon formed against you will prosper. It means that God's on your side. We've been threatened by darkness. That is true. But you know, another reason I think we've been threatened by darkness is because we used to work for darkness. And every once in a while, we freelance for darkness. And, and I hate to say it that way, but I know me. And you know you. That darkness... The moment we started to put our faith in Christ and follow Christ, started to lose control over us. And so darkness will pop up and threaten us. And in a case like Jesus, it was to deter him from going and doing what he was called to do, which was to raise Lazarus from the dead so that the world could, could see and Jesus could be glorified and God could get the glory that, that Jesus is all powerful. And sometimes darkness threatens us to deter us from doing what we know to do and what we know that he's put in our heart to do. But, but the attacks from the darkness, then the evil one, is because we used to work for darkness. We were an associate of darkness. There's a scripture in Acts chapter 26 where, where Saul is, his name changes to Paul. And, and the light shines on him and knocks him down. And, and this, he's, he's blinded by this light. He's on his way to to find um, Christians and to persecute them, to throw them in jail because he's a strict follower uh, of, of Judaism. He's a strict follower of the law, specifically probably Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And, and Saul was, this, was, was a Pharisee, and, and it means he was in this strict sect of people that had memorized Scripture and that they were adherents to, uh, to the one true God. The problem was, in their understanding, they had no space for Jesus. Though they knew a Messiah would come, and though they, they talked about a Messiah, Jesus didn't fit in that box for their Messiah. And so they persecuted Christians who followed Jesus, who left Juda Judaism and followed Christianity. 
And Paul was on his way one day, and and he was to to hunt them down in another town, and he was knocked down by this great light. And, and these are the words recorded in Acts chapter twenty six as he retells his own testimony, his own story. He says he hears these words. But rise and stand to your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a to point you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen in me and those in which I will appear to you, delivering from you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Powerful explanation of what happened to him. He says he was knocked off of of his horse, blinded by this light, and, 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 and it was for three days. But he heard this voice that says, Rise to your feet, for I've appeared to you for a purpose. You're no longer gonna work for darkness. You're gonna work for light. You're gonna work for me. And, and he goes on to tell uh, that, that Jesus is the one who had blinded him. What's also interesting is Paul had no association with Gentiles. He tried to avoid them. And, and here God says, you're going to be rejected by your people, and I'm sending you to the Gentiles. Here's this strict Jewish um, leader, believer, adherent to, to his faith, and now he is going to be asked to go to a people group that he really despises. Because God says, you're going to be rejected by yours. And I need you to take this message of forgiveness to them. In other words, you're going to turn people from the power of darkness and Satan to the power of light. I'm sending you there so they can forgive, get, receive forgiveness. I'm sending you there so they can stop working for Satan and work for me. You now work for me. You see... When you and I live our lives, we're going to be threatened by darkness. We're going to be threatened by the principalities and powers in unseen places that that you and I, we can't put our fingers on, but we know there's more to, to life than our physical. Because we see the physical erode, and we, we know instinctively there's got to be more than this. I've met people who aren't deeply religious that believe there's more to this. And so, so God says, my job for you is is to help is for you to take this message of light to those who are still walking in darkness. Once we used to work for darkness. And I said it kind of tongue in cheek, but I want to say it again. And every now and then we freelance or we subcontract for darkness. And it should break our hearts that the God of the universe who lighted our path, who who helped us escape darkness, that, that we turn on him from time to time and follow darkness. Things we know we shouldn't do, we do. And it hurts us, hurts his heart. But the reason we're threatened is because we used to work for darkness. But he says, no power, no weapon formed against you will prosper. You don't have to let the enemy win. And Jesus said, when he was threatened with Uh, with the stoning and the people who wanted to stone him. He said, there's 12 hours of light. Work while there's still light. Uh, John chapter nine, verse four says it this way. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. We must do the works of him who sent me. So Jesus is saying, I have to do the works of the one who sent me and you 
have to do the works of the one who sent you. And that's Jesus. Jesus sent you. He, he sent you. And he says, night is coming when no one can work. In other words, there's going to come a day when, when it's too late. But Jesus says, while there's light, work. Um, the idea of, of working, it's, it's, about, it's about telling people that they no longer have to be burdened by their sins. That they can be forgiven. Remember the darkness you were once in. Remember the threats against you. And even those temptations to, 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 to go back into darkness. And just remember, there's still light. Jesus is calling us to be light in the darkness. When you're tempted, no power can overcome you. Yes, we give in. But repent of our sins. Look what he says in the passage in Acts chapter 26. We're called to turn people away from darkness to light so that they can have a place among the sanctified, the set apart. Start with us. God, forgive me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my lapses. Forgive me for going back and, and, and uh, spending time in darkness. Remind me that I've been set apart and that you've called me to help others to be set apart or sanctified for you as well. Remember, there are going to be threats. There are going to be threats from darkness, threats from evil. But there's 12 hours of light. Let's work while there's still light. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the passage. Thank you for even how Jesus answers these passages, these, these questions and these threats. And how he gives us hope. The story of Lazarus is an amazing story, what he goes on to do. And, and I would encourage everyone to read the rest of the chapter of John chapter 11. But Lord, I thank you for the reminder today that there are 12 hours of light. Would you find us working until that day we see you face to face? In Jesus' name, amen. For more information about this podcast and other ministries, visit crossroadstx.church. Thank you.